Organic Grace is on the main street in Garberville and on the web at organicgrace.com. Welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name is Andrew Murray. Uh, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to the show, which runs every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m., I'm a licensed medical herbalist who trained in England and graduated there with a master's degree in herbal medicine. I run a clinic in Garberville where I consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and recommend herbal medicines and dietary advice. And uh, like I said, every third Friday of the month, uh, we have a topic that uh, we choose to open up, and uh, once again, I'm very pleased to have Dr. Raymond Pete to share his wisdom and his expertise uh, during the show. Um, from 7.30 to 8 o'clock at the end of the show, listeners are invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated, to this month's subject of longevity. So you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 till the end of the show at 8 o'clock. As I said, you're invited to call in with any questions. The number here if you live in the area is 923-3911 or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Uh, we can also be reached, incidentally, Monday through Friday on 1-888-WBM-HERB for consultations or further information. So once again, we're very pleased to have uh, Dr. Raymond Pete with us. Dr. Pete? Yes, hi. Thanks so much for joining us again. Um, I know that uh, a lot of your background has been involved with reproductive physiology and ageing. And so, um, as always, I would ask you just to introduce yourself and your professional and academic background for people perhaps who've never listened to you. Okay, um... I started getting interested in aging, uh, I guess, in, in childhood, but uh, through the 1950s, uh, when I would mention it to uh, people, uh, a, a few of the very old people, like uh, a biology professor who studied uh, around the turn of the century, uh, had some interesting ideas about 
the actual cause of aging and uh, that suggested possibilities for actually preventing it. But uh, most people in the 1950s uh, weren't at all interested in the idea of curing aging. It just uh, was inconceivable that anything could be done about it. But uh, finally, when I decided to go to graduate school in biology in 1968 to 72 at the University of Oregon, uh, to do, I intended to uh, study brain biology, but uh, it happened that uh, there were some good people working on reproductive aging, so I did my dissertation on uh, re- uh, female uh, reproductive aging. And uh, uh, that helped to answer some questions that I had been accumulating for 20 years. Uh, but uh, it, it really just opened up a lot of basic biological questions. Uh, but, <laughs> whole nature of, of what an organism is and how it uh, develops through time uh, growing up uh, from an egg to an adult. Uh, the whole process is uh, uh, something that uh, used to be explained as sort of uh, reading out uh, from a, a pre-established blueprint in the genes uh, and uh, that uh, led to the idea that there must be genes uh, causing aging and death. And uh, rethinking that whole developmental scheme is necessary. And if you see uh, development as epigenetic or open to interaction with the environment, then aging obviously is right. another uh, epigenetic environmentally dependent process. Okay, well, uh, what I'm most uh, uh, most happy with and uh, constantly amazed is um, your interpretation of a lot of uh, previously held scientific facts, for want of a better word, that uh, both I was taught uh, when I was doing my degree and the science that we had was the same medical science that doctors get and still flawed with all of the same mistakes. And um, what I really appreciate is you bringing out some very uh some very different perspectives on it which i think is very important and a very scientifically based perspectives and ones that are not actually hidden i mean they're there in the articles and the abstracts of uh, published medical journals but it's very slow to reach the doctors so in terms of um tonight's show and uh going over longevity uh, i think it's a subject that most people would be pretty interested in how to extend their lifespan and uh, i know that there's lots of gene research and a billionaire uh investor who's uh, trying to do forty thousand uh sequences a year and he hopes to get up to a hundred thousand sequences a year so hopefully trying to find the answer uh behind aging and um go through people's genomes and also their biomes to find out uh, what they're uh, dealing with and see if there's any link uh, between those people that have degenerative disease and cancers uh, and those people that perhaps don't but why it is that they all die and see if there's any kind of uh, answers that can be found i'm sure they probably will find some answers too given long enough so getting on to longevity then i wonder if it's wrong to believe that we can extend our lives beyond 120 in this current world and be both healthy and strong and I think what I wanted to ask you first was I read a recent 
study in a fairly uh, popular publication about long life and health in general, <coughs> excuse me, published by the University of Wisconsin. It was actually published in the online journal eLife. Um, they were mentioning a uh, trial that was done with a strain of E. coli and they uh, subjected this E. coli bacteria to uh, a normally lethal dose of radiation that would normally kill a person and they took whatever few surviving colonies of E. coli that they were, reproduced them and doubled the dose, and then took the survivors from them and doubled the dose until they got 20 generations down the line, a uh, colony of E. coli that were able to withstand a thousand times the uh, lethal radiation dose uh, that would kill a human. And um, we're looking at the mechanisms behind this to see what these gene mutations had done to them to enable them to resist the effect. So they were talking about the ability to repair DNA as a primary objective in facilitating longevity. What do you, what do you think about the uh, protection of DNA in our body as a, as a method of uh, sustaining longer life? Um, I, I think there is a, a parallel between what the bacteria are doing and, and what happens to, to humans exposed to stresses like radiation. But uh, the... the uh, Single-celled organisms are essentially different in how they respond to stress because uh, 20 generations of uh, bacteria would be just a few days, and so they uh, couldn't possibly be uh, evolving new uh, DNA sequences to to make new uh, functional proteins in such a short time. Okay. Uh, The radiation... Uh, it degrades protein, so it <clears throat> it tends to simply knock out functions uh, when it's damaging the DNA. And the, the uh, bacteria that died uh, had their uh, DNA so damaged they, they had lost function, and the ones that survived uh, simply didn't lose the function, but they uh, their um, defense processes were activated. And so what they were getting with each generation was uh, uh, an intensification of the defense reactions that ordinary bacteria have. And uh, things like bacteria, yeasts, and uh, protozoa, uh, when they're under stress, they can either decide to reproduce faster, uh, live more intensely, and, and divide more quickly, uh, if their genes are still working, or they can uh, go in the direction of uh, sort of dehydration and uh, for, for radiation, uh, forming a spore uh-huh. and uh, eliminating a lot of water right. uh, makes the, uh, the DNA very resistant to radiation because uh, water is part of uh, the hydroxyl uh, radical is what uh, destroys the DNA, and so without any water uh, tied to the DNA, it's very resistant. So that's why spores can live for so long, then, in the desert or... Yeah. And and so uh, if if humans tried to do that, the cells (laughs) under stress would uh, either multiply uh, very rapidly, and that would be a cancer, or or they would uh, uh, go into something worse than hibernation, in in which they simply dried up and uh, were, were like a... Uh, suspended mummy-like uh, existence. Okay, so, uh, so it just doesn't work.
for humans. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same idea is that uh, we have uh, ways of handling damaged genes or threats to the genes. And what people do, or animals, is to uh, uh, kill the whole cell when uh, the uh, when the organism senses that the DNA has been damaged beyond the capacity to uh, repair it. Uh, so it's happening very fast. Uh, the cells will turn over quickly, but uh, to not form a cancer, they have to uh, uh, let the damaged ones uh, sort of a triage uh, beyond a certain uh, degree of damage. They have to let the cell die. Right. And the quicker it can die, uh, the uh, more material is available for stimulating cell, uh, stem cells to replace it. Huh. Uh, so the um, uh, I think a, a major uh, factor in aging is that things interfere with that whole process of uh, either repairing or letting the cells die quickly to be replaced. And uh, in old age, uh, the process of, of cell death is retarded. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> the, uh, cells become old, but they can't decide <laughs> what to do, and, and so they slow down the whole organism metabolically slows down and in that slowing down process uh, they have some uh, undesirable products like uh, lactic acid that uh, cause problems for the whole organism in instead of just dying and getting it over with so you're saying that the uh, process of apoptosis or that cell program death is actually slowed down in normal human aging uh, yeah huh. interesting and, uh, I, I think people are now looking for what what the factors are that retard that uh, mm. quick replacement, uh, quick apoptosis, and, yeah. and activation of stem cells. Interesting. All right, we're getting getting on to uh, energy. Um, I know that you're very interested in uh, energy promoting substances, and thyroid and progesterone, uh, aspirin, etc., being amongst some of those. Um, definite energy promoting substances well um, there's a compound called um, NAD NAD plus and another form NADH which is very important in terms of uh, intracellular extracellular energy uh, conveyance and uh, powering uh, reactions so the article that was um, using the E. coli forms and resisting uh, and providing a strain of E. coli that was super resistant to radiation was also mentioning that um, this compound, NAD+, was another target therapy uh, and they'd actually produced a, a form, a patent, obviously a patented form of this product that they were trying to sell. And uh, I think that's also part of this evening's show is to try and highlight some of the... Um, some of the mistakes that we commonly are bombarded with in terms of being told it is the truth, and we'll bring out a couple of these and you'll specifically um, identify the mistakes that the authors of the publication or the promoters of the product were uh, guilty of um, perpetrating, if you like. But uh, NAD+, then, um, as a compound, 
how in, how important do you see NAD Plus and therefore this company's um, new uh, product um, to be taken as a supplement to raise NAD Plus? How important that would be uh, in our biological systems? Um, our cells are, are constantly in a, a process of oxidizing uh, and uh, things like sugar. The electrons go to... Uh, the oxidizing NAD plus and reduce it so that it becomes NADH and NADH can then pass those electrons on eventually to oxygen so there's a streaming through NAD plus NADH to the uh, mitochondria and and oxygen and uh, that's in the normal uh, metabolism you should have Three to five hundred times times as much NAD plus as NADH uh, because it's in a, a rapidly oxidizing state, okay. and uh, stresses that interfere with uh, oxygen or that uh, subtract the uh, NAD plus and NADH, uh, the lower the supply of the total. NAD and ADH is the more easily a stress uh, causes a, a, a failure of the, uh, the balance, so it shifts more easily to a very reduced NADH dominant huh. state. And so stress depletes the, NAD, NAD plus. Uh, 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 well, it, it depletes both of them. Right. And one of the, one of the things that depletes both of them is damage to the DNA, such as radiation. And uh, in repairing the DNA breaks, uh, there are enzymes that uh, build up a chain of uh, repetitive uh, bases. Uh, So it's a meaningless uh, chain, but it it, uh, uh, plugs up the hole, basically, in the DNA. And to do that, to... to, uh, repair the chain, the uh, ADP is attached. Uh, ADP comes from the the supply of NAD, uh, NADH. And so when you get a nick in the DNA, you you have this huge amount of NAD plus NADH available, and you you draw it down to uh, repair the damage. If you draw it down in repairing too many uh, broken DNAs, uh, then that uh, interferes with the energy production of the cell. Huh. Okay. Uh, and uh, if you uh, have ways to block those enzymes and stop the DNA repair, then the cell uh, can uh, make the decision to die and right. stop wasting energy right. in the right. organism. Huh. And instead it, it becomes raw materials for the stem cells yeah is, is there anything that you know of that would more pre- uh, uh, preempt that destructive apoptotic phase rather than wasting energy trying to repair um, damage chromosomal damage it, yeah there are several drugs that will huh. block that enzyme it's, it's initials are PARP P-A-R-P and so PARP inhibiting enzymes uh, can uh, uh, save cells from dying unnecessarily uh, it can uh, put if you inhibit that process you can uh, 
give the cell a chance to rest, or you can uh, inhibit it and uh, let it go ahead and die. Uh, Interesting. Okay, pop. That's a, that's a pretty... Uh, uh, niacin amide uh, happens to be a very safe uh, way to inhibit that, that enzyme. Okay. Uh, it, at the same time, is is the uh, precursor for making NAD plus NADH. Uh, so you're uh, plugging the drain and filling up the <laughs> pool at the same time when you uh, uh, have a good source of niacinamide. And we can normally make that from proteins, from the, the tryptophan, uh, converting it to, to niacin. Uh, but uh, if we're deficient in protein and uh, or have something blocking, like uh, a vitamin deficiency that blocks the conversion of tryptophan to niacin, uh, then we can't keep the uh, NAD supply adequate. Uh, would, would this uh, deficiency be pretty easily recognized? I mean, it would be a, a typically known condition. Um, the, the, uh, the chronic extreme state uh, was known as, as pellagra. Uh-huh. Uh, it occasionally turns up with uh, a, a rough skin condition when a person reaches a, a great deficiency, but uh, there are earlier signs such as mood disturbances and uh, uh, various uh, energy-related and, and uh, many, many uh, variations on symptoms. Okay, let me just... Uh, okay, so you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMD Gabbaville 91.1 FM from 7.30 till 8 o'clock, the end of the show. Uh, you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's subject of longevity. Uh, Dr. Raymond Pete is joining us live. Um, and so, Dr. Pete, just to carry on the uh, subject of longevity, um, it, an article also brought out um, the compounds called sirtuins, uh, sirt1 and sirt3, and um, they were also posited, you know, and I think it's a contradiction that the, the article mentioned, but they're posited as another factor to improve longevity and that NAD plus was a cofactor in their production. What was your opinion of calorie restriction as a way of activating the sirtuins, but not necessarily. The sirtuins are not necessarily positive, are they? They're more for hibernation? or Yeah, in, in calorie restriction, uh, the organism has to do something to survive, and so it starts shutting down, turning off the genes. And the, the initials stand for uh, silent information regulators. Uh, uh, the... Uh, Silent information. Yes, I are. And in uh, yeasts, uh, uh, starvation or stress will uh, turn those on and, and turn off genes. And uh, in animal cells, they do the same thing, but uh, what, how they got uh, to be so uh, interesting is that a group at Harvard uh, was arguing that uh, longevity in yeast uh, corresponded to long life in humans, but uh, in single-celled organisms, what they were saying was uh, rapid uh, and continued cell division. Uh-huh. Uh, the equivalent would be cancer in a human right. <laughs> than long life. And from, uh, from the uh, ability to stimulate uh, rapid and prolonged cell division in yeast, uh, they argued that 
uh, resveratrol, which is uh, related chemically very closely to uh, uh, DES, diethylstilbestrol, uh, a simple uh, synthetic estrogen. Uh, resveratrol is a natural uh, steel bean uh, type substance uh, found in grapes. Right. Uh, it does have estrogenic activity and uh, yeasts are especially sensitive. Yeast produce estradiol just like humans. And uh, so, so yeast is being uh, uh, given basically an overdose of estrogen, so it's more fertile. Uh, but uh, in in humans, that same sort of overdose isn't desirable. Yeah. So and uh, in that process of turning off genes, uh, the uh, when you do it in a human, you are moving towards the uh, uh, spore-like or hibernating state of not producing. Mm-hmm proteins, and uh, two of the uh, very important proteins that get turned off by the sirtuins include uh, clotho, the the phosphate-regulating protein that, when it's turned off, you get very rapid aging, uh, degeneration of of all of the tissues, and another uh, protein or or enzyme, a P53 protein, is a, a tumor suppressor protein. And so uh, you definitely don't want to just blindly turn off proteins uh, in defense. So you don't want to just shut down and turn your anti-tumor proteins off. Yeah, <laughs> and your anti-aging yeah. muscle protein. All right. Um, okay, we're getting, getting on to... Um, uh, this kind of the, the article again was saying that the age-related decrease in NAD plus causes defects in energy and gene-related functions to accumulate. Do you think age-related uh, mitochondrial dysfunction can be reversed or merely protected for longer in the lifespan, thereby gaining more time down the road? Um, uh, yeah, uh, in several years ago, the Harvard group, uh, someone in that group, uh, said that we shouldn't supplement niacin or niacinamide because uh, it suppresses sirtuins <laughs> and they said if sirtuins are the long life <laughs> proteins uh, niacinamide will accelerate aging but uh, someone simply put human cells in a dish and gave them a supplement of niacinamide and they lived 60% longer uh, so uh, there are various treatments that can do the same thing, vitamin E, for example, and uh, adjusting amino acid balance and fats and so on. But uh, simply uh, the adequate or enriched supply of niacinamide is enough to greatly extend the, the growth ability of human cells. Good. Okay, well, we do have a couple of callers here who are kind of already coming in, so let's take them a little bit early, but let's take the first caller. Caller, you're on the air? Hi. Hi, um, and where are you from, caller? Oh, I'm calling from New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. Hi. Um, once again, there's too many questions I want to ask, but I'll ask the question I originally called with. Um, I understand the importance, um, you've talked about it, others do talk about it, of uh, consuming high-quality proteins if we want to, you know, maintain our systems and 
renew them. Um, the it, it seems to be good for just about every body system, but there is one exception, and that's the kidneys. And you said, and, and I'm going to stress from your, I'm going to quote, pardon me, from your gelatin stress and longevity article, since glycine is non-toxic, if the kidneys are working, since any amino acid will contribute to the production of ammonia, this kind of chemotherapy can be pleasant. And, I mean, I recommend the article because the article as a whole is, is wonderful, and I hope you don't mind me taking this little piece out. But you're the first person that I've, that I've, you know, read who has actually said, you know, that any amount of amino acid will stress the kidneys. And um, so I guess what I'm wondering is, is there a simple and a hopefully um, sort of more or less immediate way that we can judge that we are getting enough amino acids uh, in a day to achieve nitrogen balance or, you know, everything that we sort of need to accomplish for our bodies, but not so much that it's stressing the kidneys or some happy medium, perhaps using a reliable urine dipstick um, test, or is there anything like that? Uh, normal uh, functioning kidneys uh, aren't stressed by a high-protein diet, uh, but w when something is impairing kidney function, such as hypothyroidism or uh, other sickness, uh, then uh, with low kidney function and uh, uh, a lot of bacteria uh, in your intestine breaking down amino acids, uh, you can uh, get uh, accumulated ammonia. And that's where uh, RLV, uh, uh, and NIH, I think it was researcher, uh, uh, proposed uh, using ketone uh, uh, keto acids equivalent to the essential amino acids which will uh, absorb uh, the ammonia uh, even when a person has no functioning kidney ability to, to secrete ammonia so uh, just by feeding keto acids uh, if they're the equivalent of the uh, essential amino acids you create them in your body by by absorbing the ammonia and then making your own protein and uh, that was where I got the the idea that some foods uh, would contain a natural keto acid equivalent and uh, we, we did uh, chromatography on potato juice and found that uh, they are rich in the keto acids which uh, uh, will function as amino acids uh, even though they contain no no ammonia because they can absorb ammonia from your blood. Colin? Absorb it from the blood um, thereby so the kidneys will not be as stressed? Um, uh, that was uh, for use in people who were having essentially no kidney function and uh, it... Uh, Veach's research showed that uh, these uh, ketones or keto acids are, are very helpful for failing kidneys. But uh, ordinarily, uh, there, there are many other things you need to do when you have kidney disease. Uh, you want to uh, correct the, uh, all of the hormones that are involved in uh, regulating kidney physiology, especially uh, thyroid, progesterone, estrogen, cortisol, 
uh, and some of the pituitary stress-related hormones. And I understand that, of course, this is a process, and, um, you know, I mean, it's not something that I can just, you know, take a pill and, and everything's going to come right. Um, and, and it would be very important, again, to keep eating the raw carrot daily. Am I correct? I didn't understand all I'm sorry. I mean, I understand that it's, it's, this is a process and that it would be very important to continue to eat the raw carrot daily. Oh, Am I correct um, to keep the ammonia down? Uh, yeah, that does help with the uh, bacterial uh, ammonia production. Okay. And how, how often do you think it would be wise to... I mean, my kidneys, I'm not on dialysis. My kidneys are not failing to that degree, but they are sore upon if I, you know, press lightly or medium pressure. I can feel them, and certain practitioners have told me that um, my kidneys are not strong. Um, so, I mean, would you recommend, you know, that, that I, well, that someone do um, potato, uh, this, you said you use a centrifugal juicer, am I right? Um, yeah, a, a few people who had uh, ammonia coming out of their breath every time they ate uh, just about any, any food containing protein, uh, just a couple of meals of potato juice, and uh, they were they started assimilating proteins. Uh, but uh, wow. in Beecher's research, he put them on a chronic diet of uh, keto acid supplements. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to look into further into that. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks for your call, caller. Okay, we've got a steady stream of callers building up here, so let's take the next one and uh, move through them one at a time. You're on the air, caller? Hi. Hi, you're on the air. Where are you from? I'm Christopher. I'm in Colorado Springs, and I have uh, two questions for Dr. Pete. One's on topic, the other one's completely off topic. Okay. Uh, first, though, I wanted to say that uh, to you, Andrew, that um, I and a lot of the listeners do miss Sarah and hope she returns, but I just want to say you've been doing a great job doing the show by yourself, so keep up the good work. <laughs> okay. Um, Dr. Pete, in terms of uh, longevity and reading your articles, I mean, one gets the idea of the importance of the saturated fats and the avoidance of the unsaturated fats. However, in terms of proper oxidative energy and the importance that sugars like uh, sucrose and lactose play into that, um, how important is it to maybe keep the fats on the low side and focus more on the sugars, or is there still a minimum of uh, fat and saturated fat that's important in terms of longevity? Um, a, a certain small amount of fat helps to stimulate the intestine and activate absorption of of the oily vitamins, vitamin K, D, A, and E. And uh, the, uh, about 30 or 40 years ago, I was looking at the uh, association of various fats with the cancer, spontaneous cancer incidence, and I saw that coconut oil had the lowest of the natural oils, but uh, someone found that hydrogenated coconut oil containing zero polyunsaturated or essential fatty acids had the lowest uh, incidence of spontaneous cancer of all, essentially like a, a completely fat-free diet. And uh, so the fact that uh, the even 2 or 3% of polyunsaturated fats in butter and coconut oil, the fact that that accumulates because our muscles, for example, uh, quickly oxidize 
the saturated fats, and preferentially we store the uh, more water-soluble polyunsaturated fats. And, and so over time, even eating uh, a moderate amount of butter and coconut oil, uh, our tissues will become increasingly saturated with uh, the polyunsaturated. And the fat cells, uh, which store uh, little droplets of uh, fat, they, for their own energy, prefer, like the muscles, they prefer to oxidize the safe saturated fats. Uh, so our fat uh, tissues with age become uh, more and more concentrated with a, a relatively pure polyunsaturated uh, store of fat. And under stress, uh, fat is released, and especially the uh, polyunsaturated, which is uh, more accessible to the, the stress activation. Uh, so with age, stress becomes uh, more harmful uh, because you've stored up more of the polyunsaturated fat. So uh, since we can make all of the uh, uh, saturated fats, uh, palmitate, uh, stearate, and we can desaturate uh, stearic acid to make oleic acid and our own series of polyunsaturates, uh, I think it's it's best to uh, get as much uh, sugar and, and starch in your diet, preferably uh, uh, sugars from fruit and milk, uh, and uh, minimize the uh, exposure to the unstable uh, N-6 and uh, N-3 fatty acids. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. It looks It's more of trying to displace some of the fat with more of the good sugars, like you mentioned, orange juice and, and, the, and the lactose and milk. Um, if you are going to get a little bit of fat, probably focus more on the saturated, but it sounds like sugars are probably more important. So you're probably more of not a really a proponent. Just because you like saturated fats, you're probably still not a proponent of a high-fat diet and say because you're more of sugars and the importance of keeping the metabolism high and all that. Um, if I could ask you just a really quick question. I, I know, Andrew, we got other people on there, so just the one that's off topic and I'm just really curious about. My, my girlfriend's been dealing with this now for uh, quite a few months, almost a year now, Dr. P. And I was wondering if you had any ideas on what the cause is for uh, people that grind their teeth at night throughout the night without really even noticing. Um, she has no idea she's doing it, but then she wakes up and, you know, she has her, her jaw sore and the dentist told her that she's grinding down her teeth. And I was wondering if you know what the possible cause is and maybe any quick solutions. I mean, obviously focusing on the thyroid in the long term, but just maybe something in the short term that might help. Uh, there are several publications uh, showing that uh, high serotonin is probably uh, the major uh, thing in, in tooth grinding and probably also in restless leg syndrome where the legs churn during the night. So <clears throat> to lower high serotonin, uh, what, would be the, what would be the most straightforward way of uh, lowering serotonin in someone? Um, Reducing intestinal uh, inflammation is the quickest mm. way. Uh, uh, low thyroid is, is probably a factor in high high serotonin, but uh, simply uh, avoiding uh, slowly digested foods like uh, resistant starches right. or uh, undercooked vegetables. Salads are very bad for irritating the intestine and, and producing 
So ca cascara would be pretty beneficial for improving bowel motility and ex excretion? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of the so-called soluble fibers, uh, even pectin, for example, from mm -hmm. fruit, yeah. uh, can uh, greatly increase the production of serotonin and disturb the sleep. Okay, good. All right, well, we do have several more callers on the air, so let's take the next one. Hi, you're on the air, and where are you from? Yes, my name's Graham. I'm from Los Angeles. Um, I, my wife has chronic fatigue, and I'm wondering whether Dr. Pete has any insights or thoughts on uh, how to deal with chronic fatigue, and in particular, mitochondrial dysfunction. Hmm. Dr. Pete. Oh, um, yeah, the, um, basically the same... Uh, stress syndrome, low thyroid, excess production of, of um, lactic acid, and uh, all of the uh, stress mediators, uh, um, the, the uh, serotonin and histamine are usually high with uh, prolactin uh, shows up uh, generally uh, very closely associated with chronic fatigue. And uh, pro prolactin rises generally with, when your thyroid goes down and serotonin goes up. Okay. So what would be your, your suggestion in terms of, let's say, just sort of a dietary approach then to this? Uh, things that are quickly digested. And uh, uh, raw carrot is, uh, contains anti-inflammatory chemicals as well as uh, some antibiotics and uh, uh, they suppress uh, irritating bacteria as well as binding some of the toxins and uh, so they have an anti-inflammatory effect that can uh, seriously adjust your hormones in a good direction just having a raw carrot every day All right. Doctor uh, my wife has been a, a keen listener of a lot of your programs and she has been trying the raw carrot Finds that very hard to, to digest um, and and, uh, and and basically consume. Uh, is there any yeah, there, that the, she does? There, she does there good point some, is that um, they're in uh, undigestible. Apple cider vinegar. Doctor Pete, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, the the point of eating a carrot is that they can't be digested, and, and so <laughs> they, the they release some of the uh, antiseptic chemicals, uh, but. Uh, help to stimulate the intestine and carry out material because uh, they they don't break down and, and produce uh, bacterial growth uh, the way other starchy vegetables do. So you, you can think of the raw carrot material, grated raw carrot, as a kind of bottle brush, uh, effectively, uh, I think, within the, the lumen uh, of the gut. Yeah, and yeah. if you shred them with a fine uh, food processor mm -hmm. so that they're almost like hair, Yeah. Uh, that's the most effective kind right. of fiber because you yeah. get a lot of surface, right, surface to area. find irritants. <laughs> okay. right. And, Doctor, one final question. Uh, metabolic syndrome. Um, I've been uh, having trouble with that. What would you suggest from a dietary position there? Uh, what syndrome? Uh, metabolic syndrome. I, I find oh. it hard to, to remove yeah, fat with despite exercise or proper or dietary approaches to get the fat off my belly. Um, the uh, polyunsaturated fats are probably uh, what set up that uh, inability to uh, 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 oxidize sugar efficiently, and uh, it keeps the uh, 
uh, free fatty acids in circulation, and uh, free fatty acids uh, block your, your metabolism in general. Uh, so uh, you can break the cycle in, in various ways, but probably a, a, an active uh, form of thyroid containing T3 uh, is the, um, the basic way to get the metabolism going so that you can oxidize glucose and uh, uh, turn off the uh, free fatty acids. Any suggestions as to what on there that I could just consider? Uh, the um, important thing is to uh, uh, keep track of your uh, uh, metabolic rate, uh, how many calories you need, uh, how much water you're able to evaporate. Uh, uh, low thyroid people uh, find that uh, a lot of the water they, they drink comes back as urine where uh, you should be able to evaporate a couple of quarts of water a day that, uh, that means that if you drink three quarts, you get one quart of urine back per day. And uh, other indicators of metabolic rate are uh, uh, heart rate at rest and uh, temperature cycle. Uh, temperature should rise to uh, around 98.6 uh, right after breakfast and stay there until close to sunset. Okay. Thank you, Doctor. Very much appreciate it. Okay, thank you for your call, caller. Okay, so uh, the number, if you live in the area, is 923-3911. And if you're outside the area, that 800 numbers, 1-800-KMUD-RAD. So uh, we've got Dr. Raymond Pete uh, sharing his wisdom here and the subject for this evening's longevity. Okay, so uh, Dr. Pete, I wanted to carry on asking you some more questions about the B vitamins. I know that um, they're intrinsically involved in energy generation and its transfer. Um, what uh, what would you suggest as the uh, a good strategy to in- ensure adequate levels of uh, B vitamins? Um. A, a good diet uh, that includes uh, liver once in a while, mm-hmm. uh, milk regularly and or cheese, uh, eggs regularly, uh, seafood or meat uh, fairly regularly, uh, at, at least once a week for some kind of seafood is good for the trace minerals that you might not get in, in some of the land foods given that it's water soluble do you think um do you, how realistic do you think it is for people actually be, to be low in b vitamins b vitamins that may otherwise make a difference because i know you've mentioned uh, uh, b1 and b3 as being something that has been intrinsically important in people's memory uh, their retention of information and how quickly it can make a difference just by supplementing with it and if they're supplementing the premium um, pre- i presume that they were low in it and so taking a supplement raised their b their B levels, their one and their three, and corrected their their mental mental state. I think uh, yeah, B vitamins act very quickly, so uh, you can usually see an effect. Uh, sometimes, like with vitamin B one, you can often feel an effect in the first hour. Uh, with vitamin B six, you generally feel an effect in the first day. And uh, with vitamin B six, sometimes uh, ten milligrams is all it needs uh, and one dose will, will often take care of a problem that has lingered for a long time uh, and uh, it's it's good if you can uh, uh, use a, a few doses of the supplements because uh, 
most of the supplements have impurities and uh, excipients that aren't good in the long run. Right. Uh, I know you're a, a proponent of very modest doses too. So what would you, because I know a lot of companies sell B vitamins in these 500 milligrams or, you know, th- th- ridiculous amounts, especially of uh, B6 or um, B3. What, what would you recommend for B3? If, if a person has diabetes or cancer or something and has very high lactic acid production, uh, 300 milligrams uh, in mm divided doses uh, can help to uh, normalize sugar metabolism and, and lactic acid, but ordinarily uh, 10 or 20 milligrams right. is plenty. Is uh, this B3 we're talking about now? Or, uh, or no, that was one. Uh, thiamine B1. One. Okay. And uh, B3 uh, for um, uh, major problems, uh, including diabetes, uh, probably arthritis, uh, a lot of uh, degenerative problems, uh, taking 50 or 100 milligrams several times a day of uh, niacinamide uh, can uh, uh, control uh, the symptoms, uh, reduce inflammation, uh, 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 protect the nerves, and uh, uh, accelerate uh, glucose oxidation and so on. And I should mention that uh, the uh, for some reason... Uh, I think doctors liked nicotinic acid because it had such visible effects of making you turn red. But uh, uh, people uh, generally don't like the the feeling of of flushing, and it isn't uh, good for your health because it it releases uh, serotonin, histamine, and toxic prostaglandins. So it's actually causing damage when it flushes you. And... uh, uh, in recent years, uh, the market has been flooded with something they call no-flush niacin. <laughs> but if you look at the label, uh, you'll see that it's uh, inositol hexanicotinate, and that means that each molecule has six nicotinic acids, and it's uh, a little slower to release. Uh, that's why it doesn't cause the, the sudden intense flushing, but it's the same substance that's releasing right. uh, those inflammatory toxic substances so uh, it has to be either niacin amide uh, or uh, the new uh, niacin amide or nicotinamide uh, riboside mm-hmm. which is a, a just a variation on niacin amide and it's a lot more expensive but uh, if you have an allergic reaction to one, you can try the other. All right. I very quickly want to just uh, ask you to remind listeners um, the dose, and you mentioned specifically for cancers, even uh, B one of two to three hundred milligrams in divided doses. Um, yeah, that's a, it's safe. Yeah. to uh, take as much as three hundred yeah. milligrams. And, and day, again, what would the benefits of that be? Uh, lowering. Uh, Lactic acid, lowering lactic acid, uh, yeah, stimulating the uh, oxidation of it, and so you produce right. more carbon dioxide mm-hmm. and and less uh, lactic acid. Right, and that that shifts uh, away from inflammation. Lactic acid is keeping the cancer developing by cre- creating inflammation and uh, disturbing the pH balance. Uh, 
Good. Okay, well, we do have a couple more callers, so um, we should probably take this next caller and um, see see where this takes us. So, caller, you're on the air? Hi, you're on the air, and where are you from? Hi, I'm from Laytonville. Oh, hi, what's your question, caller? I have two questions. You mentioned the body temp. Um, I've always had a low body temp, like 97.4-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, is that normal or no (laughs) so what are some things like hot food ginger what are some things uh well no not particularly because they just cause peripheral vasodilation which might give you a feeling of warmth but might actually cool you down even but um dr pete when he mentions uh temperature and pulses as a measure or a good gauge for assessing thyroid function um, that you should reach 98.6 during the daytime and, and preferably after breakfast in the morning and you should stay at that kind of temperature pretty much all through the day until the evening. Um, if you have consistently low body temperatures that do not seem to rise uh, after food, then that would be fairly suggestive of uh, metabolic deficiency and particularly that you'd benefit from using thyroid hormone. And uh, protein deficiency is a possible cause of uh, low body temperature. I've seen... Uh, people who uh, couldn't respond to thyroid or other uh, uh, metabolic activators, uh, and it turned out they were eating something like 20 grams of protein a day, where <laughs> the requirement is about yeah. closer to, to 80. That makes sense. I, I have a blood type. I like high cortisol. i active. I need protein. That makes sense. So um, my other question is, what are your thoughts on chelation, like the heavy metal cleanse? Um, Good foods will uh, safely uh, activate the process of of, uh, mobilizing heavy metals from the tissues and uh, passing them out through the kidneys. Uh, Coffee drinkers uh, are known to have a, a lower load of most of the heavy metals, such as cadmium and lead. And, do you uh, think? Do you uh, think that foods, a healthy diet, would like naturally take care of all of the heavy metals we accumulate daily? Uh, yeah, one one of the advantages of uh, having orange juice and milk in your diet uh, constantly is is that uh, they provide materials that help to uh, inactivate the toxic effect of heavy metals while mobilizing them and uh, washing them out through the kidneys. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you for your call. Dr. P, I've got to uh, ask a personal question. I think perhaps a lot of people might like to hear your your thoughts on this because they're always very different, and uh, I'm always very, very happy to hear what you say because it's always so illuminating. Um, Ebola virus is becoming a very uh, careful watchword right now. Um, my sound, I'm not being flippant at all, but what would you do? Um, what are your thoughts and your suggestions on uh, Ebola virus and how best to protect yourself from it? Uh, if the uh, effects of it are basically like flu and many other uh, viral or or even bacterial infections that activate uh, the inflammatory processes and uh, uh, inactivate our our immune defenses. And uh, if you look at the research, uh, the the, uh, first thing that happens is the 
inhibition of interferon, the antiviral, uh, one of the defenses, mm. and activation of nitric oxide oh, production, oh, which oh, yeah. uh, opens up blood vessels, uh, makes them leaky, and uh, uh, lowers energy production. And so uh, whether it's flu or Ebola uh, or, or poisoning by, by chemicals, uh, the, the method of, of uh, defending yourself is pretty much the same to uh, lower anything irritating that you're doing, uh, such as eating foods that are hard to digest and uh, uh, doing anything you can to lower inflammation and nitric oxide production. Aspirin? Aspirin and coffee. Coffee, And uh, niacinamide are all uh, defenses against uh, uh, nitric oxide. And I I think nitric oxide is central to to all of those when they they get to the point of of, uh, causing uh, degenerative bleeding Mm -hmm. processes. What about interferon? Is there anything that you would uh, suggest that would be useful for raising your interferon or protecting or uh, preventing the blockage of it or the... uh... Uh, No, I think that'll take Mm -hmm. care of itself if you uh, just uh, keep your energy up and uh, hold the inflammatory things such as nitric oxide as low as you can okay all right good well i had to ask you uh, i thought you'd have some suggestions for it and uh, uh thank you very much again dr pete for joining us on the show and um thank you callers for calling in i know it's always um very useful when people call in with lots of different questions even if they're not related to the subject and uh just from where the uh, callers come from just shows how wide an audience that you have dr pete so thanks so much for your time Okay, thank you. Okay, for those people who have uh, listened to the show, if uh, you want any more information uh, outside of the show time, uh, we can be reached on one eight 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 WBM Herb for consultations or further information. Um, so, Dr. Raymond Pete's website uh, has got a wealth of uh, articles, fully referenced. They're not just made-up stories or unsubstantiated claims. Uh, they're actually very well-written and uh, very scientifically based. And uh, science is there, really, to point the way forward. And uh, anybody who just want to, who wants to disbelieve the science perhaps would be a little bit uh, a little bit rash because um, the science does have a good place and a very important tool for finding out the truth behind the questions that plague us. And so um, there's lots of lies out there, and the internet unfortunately is uh, one of the wealthiest <laughs> wealthiest places, um, but also has lots of answers too. So it's just uh, sorting out the information. And uh, Dr. Pete's always got a very different perspective, so I'm very happy uh, that he spends the time that he does uh, joining us on the show. So his website is www.raypeat.com. Uh, lots of articles on his website that you can look at. Um, and again, until the uh, third Friday of next month, uh, have a good night.
All right. Came up thanks Jessica Baker of Jade Dragon Acupuncture for her support of Redwood Community Radio, practicing and teaching Chinese medicine, herbalism, and aromatherapy. Jessica is available for conferences, workshops, and private consultations. Located at 607 F Street, Arcata, Jade Dragon Ag- 